Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,285. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm in beautiful Aurora, Colorado, a little chilly this morning here, with a very special guest by the name of Mike Pedrick. Mike, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I am ready. All right, we'll have some fun. Now, before I give you an introduction and we dive into your world, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you, Mike? You know, I think a lot of folks who are close to me know this, but maybe not so many, not in the aggregate. But I spent the first part of high school as a teenager in England. I was an Air Force dependent. Oh, wow. And um, totally wasted the opportunity to do the tourism thing. But uh, it ranks really high among my best memories. You know, my wife, uh, her father was in the military and they were down in South America when she was in high school and she just loved it. She said that was some of the the coolest, most fun times. And maybe it was because she was in an American school surrounded by kids from other military families that were from around the world. And they were all kind of in the same boat in a strange place, new. So they became friends and helped each other. Is that what you discovered? Oh, absolutely. I think you hit the nail squarely on the head. It was a lot of, uh, you know, Dodd's Department of uh, defense dependent schools, uh, kids that, you know, one of, one of my closer friends was he had only ever spent time in England. He was American, as American as, as I was, certainly, uh, but he spoke with a British accent and was <laughs> yeah. just phenomenally good at soccer. I hated going out on the field with him during gym class. It was it was embarrassing <laughs> as heck. But yeah, no, you, I think you hit the nail on the head. That was absolutely the, the best part was shedding the trappings of going through uh, American schools very wildly different experience. We were all thrust together from varying backgrounds and it was a it was a it empowered our friendship rather than getting in the way of it. Yeah. And she came back for her senior year to Southern California in high school and it was just a real challenge because of all the cliques and the nature of of schools and I guess maybe they're the same way still. And also coming from South America where everything wasn't caught up yet. So when she came back, clothes weren't in style. She hadn't even seen a lot of the T V shows that everybody <laughs> were talking and music and she was a little bit like, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm I'm not there. And so it wasn't nearly as fun, but she always talks very fondly about her time there. So very cool. I think it rounds people out uh, to visit other parts of the world. It's an important thing. We sent our kids off when they were in high school to overseas uh, times, I guess, if you will. My son spent time in uh, Poland, in Africa, South Africa, uh, my daughter in Europe, and it was it was really good. They came back, I won't say different people, but they came back with an entirely different perspective on things that they would have never had. I think that's positive. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's talk about you, Mike. Mike Pedrick, cybersecurity, privacy, and risk management executive uh, consultant by trade and has been an automotive enthusiast since he purchased his first car, as well as the first one that moved under its own power. Unable to uh, leave anything alone, Mike has chased down big power in what he might call unpopular platforms, uh, Q in the 2004-2005 GTO, and has been a reoccurring participant in annual charity rally events as part of the Rally North America community. Rally North America has made a tremendous impact for multiple charities, hundreds of participants, and is the source of great memories for Mike and his late son. 
Caleb. We'll be back in just a moment to learn more about what Mike's up to, but first a word from our sponsors, so give them a little love, and we'll be right back. Buckle up. Are you wondering what your collector car is worth these days? Are you thinking about buying a collector car? I know who can help. My friends at Classic.com will help you stay on top of the market so you know which similar vehicles are out there, what they're selling for, what you should pay, and how to price your vehicle. Go to Classic.com slash garage, enter your vehicle's information, specs including the year, make, model, mileage, and options, and they will provide you with a list of recent comparable sales. Their powerful search engine is up to date, finding new listings, tracking sales, and keeping you informed, providing data so you can make the right decision. If you're selling a vehicle, they can help as well with their Classic.com Pro Division, steering you to a qualified professional who will help. Finding the right vehicle and selling your vehicle is all about timing and exposure. So what are you waiting for? Go to classic.com slash garage and give it a run. That's classic.com slash garage and tell them Mark sent you. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up, way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations, and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. They're talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, Mike, now since this is Cars Yeah, we probably won't dwell too much on your career path. However, cybersecurity, privacy, risk management. Yeah, I think there's plenty of work for people like you with all of us online and everything. So the first question I have for you is, who are all these Asian ladies trying to be my friend on Facebook that I know are not the people in the pictures? <laughs> what is going on? I, now I'm getting them on my phone. You know, it's 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 funny. Scamming you know, or attempting to scam folks is is by no means new, right? Uh, it's, it's a tale as old as time, but, you know, as we've sort of broken down the barriers between countries, nations, parts of the globe, uh, different stratas of, of uh, society via technology, everybody's accessible. 
And of course, if we're accessible by family, friends, et cetera, we're certainly also accessible by scammers. Um, and, and yeah, I, I have, I have no end of things to say about that subject matter, but you're, you're probably <laughs> right. Uh, we're focused on cars. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, crazy, but you know, uh, the way we all operate on these devices these days, I, I think, and that's why I want to ask you, if you could offer our listeners today in that world of protecting yourself, what's maybe one or two things you would highly recommend people listening today before we get into cars could go, wow, I'm glad that Mike shared that with us. Sure, absolutely. I would say uh, the first thing, of course, is to recognize that a lot of what you see, uh, a lot of what we, you know, privacy folks, you know, security and privacy folks will rail on about is that, you know, you follow the money, so to speak. Everything is, there's a lot of focus on delivering advertising, you know, ostensibly targeted advertising. Targeted advertising comes with a cost. They have to gather personal information from you about you about your family, friends, your actions, your movements through the world in order to accomplish that. And so you have to do your own risk calculus. Like, do I want to give away this information or do I not? And understand that that convenience comes with a cost. And then the other thing I would say is always be suspicious. Oh, you know, you, you receive that email, you receive a call, your phone pops up with a number you don't recognize. Um, you know, be be a little bit suspicious. Be on your toes. You know, somebody starts asking questions around, you know, what was your mother's maiden name, or can you give me access to your PC? Uh, your default answer should be uh, no, no, um, not, <laughs> Goodbye. not until I know exactly who you are and what your intentions are. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad that we have to be that way, but really do. And I become more and more. I think uh, I just don't even answer calls on my phone if they don't. They're not in my contacts. Um, if they leave a message, then I know who they are, but most of them don't, and who knows who they are. So, yeah, it's a crazy world for sure. Well, let's get into the car world because you're an automotive enthusiast. That's how we connected. Mm-hmm. I believe you had heard my talk with um, one of my past guests and reached out to me and said, hey, this sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. And I know you're involved in rallying and so forth. So how did you or where did your car passion start? Uh, the very beginning probably was... Right after I'd gotten back from England, you know, I'm 17 years old, so I'm behind the eight ball. I I don't have a driver's license. And, you know, for better or for worse, my mother told me, you know, if you want to learn how to drive, you'd better drive uh, buy a car because you're not going to learn how to drive on mine. (laughs) And and even even at 17 years old, I felt like, you know, that's a little paradoxical, right? I mean, (laughs) even just straight up logistics, how am I supposed to bring this thing home if I if I don't have a license and don't know how to drive it? Right. I bought a 1976 Pontiac Le Mans from a gentleman across the road with the caveat that it didn't run. And I knew nothing about mechanics uh, up to that point. I was, I won't say I wasn't mechanically inclined. I certainly had the the neural pathways to to think in those terms, but uh, no experience with it, no wrenching, you know, as a, as a child. And so you're a brave kid to buy a car that wasn't running. Yeah. Bravo. I was a pragmatist, right? I was like, oh, it's here. Uh, you know, a little bit of work. I'll be able to, to get it running and, um, you know, learn how to drive. And uh, the, the sad story, though, is, you know, washing dishes. Uh, it's a part-time job, washing dishes and pulling together my meager paychecks. I, I did all kinds of things. If somebody said, hey, try this, I went and bought the parts and, and did the work, and it didn't work. And so, I don't know, I spent six or nine months trying to get that car running before uh, somebody threw me a bone and um, gave me a loan to buy a car that did move under its own power. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you know, that was really helpful at the time. 
Yeah, I understand. My first car was nothing special, but I was lucky because a neighbor was a general manager at a Chevy dealership and uh, got a trade-in from literally a little old lady. It was a 67 Chevy Nova and didn't look like anything. Mm. It was in good shape, but it just was, you know, I wanted a sports car, man. Oh, that wasn't going to happen. Right. Yeah, but a bit ran. He put new tires on it, a battery, and it was a great first car for that first year and sold it for three times what I paid for it. So that was a cool deal. Yeah, you do whatever you can do. And when you're that age and you don't have a lot of money, you kind of just do what you can do. But I would imagine that experience kind of lit the torch. Is that what it did? It did. I mean, it made me comfortable with turning wrenches and realizing the benefits of, you know, I did a thing. I fixed a thing. E- even though, again, ultimately the car didn't move under its own power, I felt like I, I, there, I had built up a sense of accomplishment. And that followed through into, you know, subsequent vehicles where, you know, maybe I can improve on this. Maybe I can make this more mine. Maybe I can, uh, you know, um, improve upon i say that that seems intellectually dishonest because i've broken some cars as well but (laughs) at any rate you know that that sense of i did a thing was really addicting i think following that experience yeah i think now did your high school uh while you were 17 to your bought out of high school i was going to say was there not auto shop or something? Because in my high school days, now this was back in the 70s, we did have auto shop and plenty of kids brought cars in that weren't running. And by the time they finished, they now had a running car, you know, some old, old cars that you looked at and went, wow, I'm surprised that thing's still on the road, but they made them run. So in this process, you got into cars, you started learning about cars and so forth. And I want to fast forward a little bit uh, to a little bit later life. One of the things you noted to me was participating in rallies. And I've had guests on the show that aren't working in the automotive world, but they do a lot in the automotive world. So is that one of the most favorite activities you have when it comes to wrapping your your life around cars? Yes. Uh, although, and I want to put this out there, that the, there's a lot of folks that I'll talk to that are in, aren't initiated into the same world and respecting the fact that there's multiple ways that you can rally. Rally means a different, different thing, slightly different thing to multiple people. The rally experience was a friend of a friend reached out to me and said, you know, we've got this rally coming up. It'd be fantastic if you could participate. We take off from Pueblo, Colorado. It's not far from you. We're going to end up in Las Vegas. It'll be a blast. You should try it. And I thought, sure, why not? Right. Let's just go see what this is like, you know? And I suppose I should back up and explain the way our Rally North America events are are structured. It's, It's a scavenger hunt through oftentimes rural America, where you know where your hotels are, you know where you're sleeping at the at the end of the night, but you know nothing about the checkpoints that you have to find during the day until you get to the starting line and one of the organizers hands you a, a clue card and the you know it's a pamphlet with pictures and brief descriptions. You have to figure out what it is, where it is, and how to get there in the the shortest time and or distance traveled possible if you want to be competitive. So this is a time distance rally. So you've got to move certain. Is that, is that how strict it is? So it started out that way. It used to be, you know, first, second, third place were, you know, first person into the hotel at the end of the night, second and third, et cetera. And I think that the organizers started to recognize that that really led to people wanting to make bad decisions, uh, such as, you know, speeding. speeding. And, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. And that was one of the other things that was made clear to me very early on in this process was if you get a ticket, you're disqualified for that day. We're ambassadors of the group. We're ambassadors of the charities that we represent. Don't be an idiot, right? Just don't do it. It's not worth it. And so, you know, trying to reconcile those two things. Okay, I got to get there first, but I can't speed. What are you expecting of me? It becomes a, a game of navigation. 
right? Uh, more than you. anything else. And so, you know, people come armed with like the old school Rand McNally atlases in hand just in case they don't have the, the cell coverage to, to leverage uh, technology in that way. And so mm-hmm. it sounded like great fun. And I thought this will be fantastic. And I reached out to a friend of mine who was, who was a, a pilot, a small time amateur pilot here in Colorado, has been all over the state as part of that process. Uh, but is originally from Henderson, Nevada. So he was keenly aware of the the Las Vegas area too. So I thought, man, I I got a ringer, right? I got the (laughs) best navigator available for this thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm going to win. And um, the first night, the first hotel I got into, um, I checked in. We had, you know, gone through a drive-through for lunch. We had run to each checkpoint to take a picture and then run back to the car. And I still arrived uh, 13th place. And I, I thought, there's no way, like, there's, there's no way, you know, I was this bad at this, you know? And um, somebody told me, you know, listen, the rule is don't get a ticket. The rule is not don't speed. The rule is don't get a ticket. Uh. Said, oh, okay. Wink, wink. Yeah. Anyway, that's how I got started. But over time, over the years that I've been doing it, uh, I'm not competitive anymore. There's times I'll come into the hotel at the end of the day, three, four hours after somebody else, but I'm taking the time to absorb uh, you know, parts of the country that I maybe I didn't even know existed, certainly would not have thought to to put on my vacation schedule. So I'm I'm enjoying the experience. Tony, one of the, the organizers for Rally North America, one of the founders, he says it's fun for him because it's like we're all letting him plan our vacations, mm. uh, which is probably true. Right. <laughs> so yeah. just a phenomenal experience. Absolutely. I found myself in uh, Germany. I was over in Europe on business and got invited to the Porsche factory and found out they were having a uh, what they called a time distance photo rally. And mm-hmm. I just mentioned to somebody, oh, that sounds like fun. He goes, well, there's a guy who's part of the group that needs a co-pilot, a navigator. You want to do this? And it ended up he's an expat. He's a general. He had just picked up a brand new Porsche Turbo. Mm. And so we all met at the Porsche factory and took off and we had this book and you had to go a certain mile at this pace and turn here. And then you had to find these landmarks and go up like, when was this statue built? Or who is on the statue? And you'd have to walk into the town mm-hmm. and find the statue. And it was kind of a fun thing to do, but we completely got lost. We, <laughs> The whole concept of it I was not where I thought it was. Uh, but one of the funnier things was when I got in the car, we started driving. We got on the Autobahn to kind of get to this first exit. And he was driving pretty fast. And I said... I said, you, so you just got this? He goes, yeah, I had one before, but I crashed it. I watered it into a ball. And I'm like, who did I just get in the car with? Oh, my yeah, gosh. Right. And then he looked at me, the worried look on my face. And he said, no, it wasn't my fault. He said, I was on the Autobahn, you know, going fast. And a fox ran across the road. And I hit a fox. And he said, don't hit a fox when you're doing 120. Uh, because it really disrupts the airflow under your car. <laughs> Sadly, lost it. But it was a fun experience. But I had never done that kind of thing. Time, True time distance rallying is very... Very, very technical. And in that case, we ended up in last place. My son and I tried it here in the U.S. once in a car. We ended up in last place because these guys had timers and clocks on their dashes and all. I mean, the technical part of this whole thing is very challenging. But we had fun. And I think that's what you're saying is getting out there, seeing the country, driving and being with the group makes it kind of fun if you like that kind of thing to be organized and know where you're going to sleep that night. Um, So it sounds like you're having fun with it. You know, when you think about uh, driving, what I call our driving inspirations or people that are influential in your life or in the car world, is there somebody like that for you? In the car world specifically? Yeah. I've had a lot of friends over the years 
that have shared similar passions, right? So when the when the Pontiac GTO, the 2004 to 2006 GTO was coming over, from the moment I saw the first article and, and read in Motor Trend or Road and Track or whatever it was that Bob Lutz was bringing over the Holden Monaro as the Pontiac GTO, Corvette with a back seat, I knew I wanted one. I had to have one. And when I bought my first one in 2004, the 2004 in 2004, uh, there was the people came out of the woodwork, you know, like, oh, this is fantastic. I want one too. And it, and I'm I'm very honored and very happy to count um, many of those folks that I met through the GTO, through that community. They're still really good friends with me now. They're still close friends. None of us have GTOs anymore. We've all moved on. Uh, most of us have moved on. We're still super strong friends. And so I've I've learned a lot about the the hobby, the passion, and you know, how to be a good person, I think, from the various personality types that I've met in the community. Before before GTOs, uh, long before, I had a, a DSM. I was part of a DSM club, DM, uh, Diamond Star Motors, which was the Mitsubishi Eclipse, Eagle Talon, and Plymouth Laser in the 90s. And the, the local community was made up of, <laughs> I remember thinking they were so stodgy and so old and so out of touch, but I'm older now than they were then. <laughs> yeah, that happens. <laughs> and they're, they're <laughs> pretty quick, yeah. Uh, but their, their whole uh, mantra was, you know, go fast with class. Don't drive like a jerk. Don't be reckless out on the street. You, you can have fun. You can go fast. You can have a, a great time and you don't have to be an idiot about it. And that, you know, even as a, you know, somebody in his early twenties, that, that really stuck with me. Yeah. I think it's important in these car clubs. I, I, uh, when I moved up here years and years ago, almost 30 years ago, I joined a club and, um, uh, I won't mention the mark because they've changed a lot since then, but most people know my favorite mark. Mm -hmm. And the first time we went on one of their driving tours, I mean, they took off like I couldn't believe. And I, I was with my son, he was quite young and I'm thinking, okay, these guys are nuts. I mean, they're driving way over the speed limit. They're doing silly things. I've got my son, I turned around and went home. I'm like, I'm not going to do this. Uh, there's plenty of time to go out. And I was racing at the time. There's plenty of time to go fast on a track or go do driver's days and things like that. But yeah, they can spoil it but it's nice when you get groups that that uh understand that and don't don't play those games especially these days with so many people so inattentive because of their phones i want to talk a little bit about challenges we talk about this because it's more about how you got through whatever the challenge was how it taught you some valuable lessons is there something like that in your life you want to share yeah absolutely so in 2014 going back to the to the, to the gto's well, and, and the notion of not being able to leave anything alone. I had a, a 2005 GTO with the LS2, and I had a, a big supercharger on it. And I put pistons and rods in the engine to, to turn up the wick. And it just made a silly amount of power given the platform, right? Mm -hmm. We could never go bigger than 275 tires on the rear. So it was like driving around on pizza cutters <laughs> with... That's an interesting way to say it. <laughs> like it. Yeah, but I had tuned it up to the point and, and modified it to the point where it would made more than 700 at the tires, more than 700 horsepower at the tires. Whoa. So you knew every time you hit the gas pedal, it wanted to kill you, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, regardless of where you were going, the rear end was going to get there first. So you just wanted to make sure the rest of the car was in front of the rear end. You know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I say all that to say in 2014, my son wanted to be my navigator and he was, uh, uh, he was 13 at the time. And I said, well, this sounds great. The rally this year, it's, it's always a different route. The rally this year starts in Virginia. Let's jump in the GTO and go to Virginia. And I didn't, well, I thought about it, but I decided, you know what, we're going to roll the dice. I'm not going to detune it. I'm not going to, you know, prepare it for lower altitude. Let's just go. And I'll let my conscience be my guide or whatever. And we got to Virginia 
and the the car self-destructed. Oh no! In Virginia, yeah, I had differential issues. I had uh, I had blown a head gasket. Uh, it was just it, the car was really unhappy about getting twenty percent more oxygen relative where I was driving it around. Which you know, the metallurgy is what it is. You know, these these things these things happen. But now I'm on the other side of the the, the country, and you know, my son again. He's 13 years old. This is his first major experience with a rally event. He's he's watching his father melt down. You know, over the this misfortune. But on the way back, as be, being a big part of again the GTO community since its inception in 2004, folks that I had never met in person but had interacted with online uh, coordinated. Somebody in Ohio rented a, a U-Haul trailer, met me up in you know Eastern Ohio. Uh, picked me up and, you know, caravaned me to the next person who would meet me and get me as far as Iowa, the next wow. person from there, you know, so on and so forth. And so it was this relay race of of my car on a U-Haul trailer behind various pickup trucks and, and my son and I in the truck, you know, hey, great to meet you. Really can't tell you how much I appreciate you doing this, so on and so forth. We actually uh, were able, you know, this happened Monday. The, the rally starts on Monday. We missed the opening starting grid because the car was broken, but we had, we, we did what we had to do. We actually got to cross the finish line in Pueblo, Colorado, Pueblo again, um, at the, the track in Pueblo. We got to cross the finish line with the car on the trailers, not by, not first place. Yeah. We hit none of the checkpoints and we, we showed up with mud all over the front of the car because of what had, had blown up on the, you know, over the, the track. But my takeaway was, and we won the hard luck award. You know, of course, part of, <laughs> I would if, hope if so. If we hadn't made it, we wouldn't have gotten any award at all, but we got the hard luck. But I was very proud. Um, I was proud uh, proud of the community and proud to be a part of the community. And I felt like, you know, I, I explained this to my son, like, these are people that care about each other based on, you know, common, you know, c- what we like, what we have in common, what we like, our enthusiast, uh, you know, the, what we're enthusiastic about, et cetera. And these are just really, really good people. These are really solid folks. And none of the, none of the, you know, the, the pressures of the, the work world or, you know, socio-political, whatever, none of that matters. As soon as you're in this group, as soon as you're in that particular community, all of that melts away and they're just solid people taking care of each other. And I had the, I had the sense at that time that he, uh, that he picked up on that. Yeah. Well, that's the car community. That's the, what it is. I see it all the time in social media. Somebody, Hey, I'm broken down here. And you know, before you know it, Oh, I'm coming to get you or here, call this guy or whatever. That's just the way it is. I've had that happen to me many times on uh, tours and rallies. And, uh, my son, when he was, he was about 10, we were in a little Beck spider which is a little 550 Spider car and Porsche Spider. It's a replica built by Chuck Beck. Happy birthday, Chuck. He just had his 86th birthday. And uh, he's been a guest here on the show. And uh, we're at the back of a, a large group of 356 Porsches, and we ran out of gas. And they took off. We kind of pulled over, and my son, we, <laughs> this has happened once before in that car. So he goes, oh, did it again, Dad. Oh, thank you, son. And, uh, yeah, but um, – Somebody was driving by and he turned around and came back. Guy in a BMW pulled up and he goes, he goes, hey, what's going on? And I said, well, and he goes, well, I'm just coming back from the gas station. I'm going to mow some grass. I've got five gallons of gas. I'll pour it in your car. And he did. Didn't, you know, he wouldn't take any money. 
and uh, was just like, what a nice guy, you know, the, that's what the car world's all about. That It's a wonderful thing. So a nice experience, I think, for your son, too, to see how do you deal with something that is completely unplanned, very inconvenient. Well, this is how you get through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, reach out, ask for help. And that's a big part of it. You know, I always ask about special vehicle stories. You've told us about a, f- a few. Is uh, is that GTO your special vehicle or is there another one you want to share that maybe ended up a little happier? Uh, well, I think the GTO probably is. Yeah. You know, again, it brought me in touch. Uh, one or the other of them, my 04 or my 05. You know, again, just because of the community and the folks, the, the friendships I was able to make through that particular community. I miss it, frankly. Uh, <laughs> I think it was probably time to move on when I finally sold off the car and 10 years worth of parts and whatever else. But And, and I've actually I've spoken to the the person who got it after I did, and he, he reached out to me and said, do you want to you know purchase it back? And I said, I said no, because it's a, it's a hard thing to pin down, but when it, once somebody else has had it, it's not yours anymore. Right. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and uh, it's, it's not, if I could have it back, push the button or jump in the DeLorean and go back to the day that I sold it so I could slap myself in the face. Yeah, I would take it back <laughs> in that day, but not, not a couple of years later. I understand completely. So I'm going to crawl in your head and be a car psychologist today. If you were reincarnated, manifest as a vehicle, what would you be and why? You know, I was thinking about this. I was joking around with my wife this morning. I said, you know, it's probably going to end up being something that's not very fast, but relatively reliable. Maybe I'm a Corolla. And <laughs> and she, she scoffed at that. She's like, no, nah, that, that's that's too far. You can't, that's, that's, that's not going to work. And uh, she said, you could at least be a Camry. And I laughed at that because I thought, I don't know how that's better other than it's larger. And thank you for pointing out that, yeah, that I can thanks, thanks, afford dear. to lose a couple of pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we all can. Uh, well, I think a sedan probably makes sense. Something something relatively reliable. And I was thinking to myself, I want to give myself a little bit of credit. Maybe like an E39 M5 would make more sense. Ooh, okay. And I, I think that's probably, uh, you, I'm not a sports car. I'm not the prettiest thing on the block. I, re, I have a lot of respect for that E39 M5 and you know, theoretically what it, what it does for the, um, landscape. You know, they're just incredible. I, I like cars a little smaller. I've had four M3s. I have one now, but the M5, I've had friends with them and I've driven them. And every time I've gotten in one of those, I just go, whoa, uh, they are monsters. They're beasts. And, and they're so under the radar, unless you know what you're looking yeah. at. Even, well, if you think about the Porsche SUV or the BMW SUV, the X5M or the GTS uh, Cayenne or even the Macan. I mean, they're mm-hmm. just, you know, you do, wouldn't know what you're looking at until you get in one and drive one. So uh, there you go. I think you deserve that. Yeah, I like that. Nicely done. Yeah, much better than Camry, much less a Corolla, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, I, I know that um, a lot of car clubs are real into giving back and helping others. Is there a way that you like to do that? Is it through the automotive world or something else? Well, it's, it's definitely through RNA, uh, Rally North America. Uh, our place in the starting grid is dictated by how much money we raise for the, the charity. Uh, that year. And so some of us have a tendency to get competitive. If we're not competitive in terms of, I want to get into uh, into the hotel first, second, or third, um, definitely I want to be at the front of the pack when we take off. So I'm going to raise money, you know, raise a lot of money for the charity. And I'm I'm in that second category. I really enjoy raising money for the charity. And, you know, top five is good enough for me. The front row, I don't have to be first, don't have to be third. I just want to be in that front row or close to that front row. And I want to do it by way of, of uh, raising money for the charity. And so nice. I usually come in, I don't know, five, six, 
$7,000 per year uh, for the charity. It's, it's hard, you know, when the donations come in $25 at a time, and uh, I'm not too ashamed to admit that a lot of times it's coming out of my own pocket, right? Like, hey, I, hey, I'm currently in seventh place. I can buy sixth place with another $100 donation today. When it comes to charities, nothing wrong with that. Exactly, exactly. It's for a good cause. Very cool. Nice that uh, Rallying North America does that. How about great reading? Is there a book you'd like to share? You know, I, I don't get a lot of chances to read fiction anymore. That's not true. I don't make a lot of time to read fiction anymore. <laughs> there you go. There's an honest but, uh, answer. <laughs> Right. I'm always a fan of if I'm reading something, whether it's a book, whether it's a, you know an article online, whatever the case may be, if I can connect with the author's thought processes, their worldview, their perspectives, if I can make that connection, I'm in. If I can't, or I think there's any opportunity for them to be disingenuous or that they're just... Uh, you know, and this applies a lot for, for journalists. Like they're just, they're writing a thing because uh, they're on the job, right? This is, this is what they do. I don't connect with that as well. And I think that goes back to when I was a kid, probably right up until about uh, 91 or 92, I was a very avid reader of uh, Stephen King's works. I think I'd read every word he'd ever put to paper as a, <laughs> as a, preteen, early teen, et cetera, judge me accordingly. And so when I read so much of that content, I genuinely felt like I like I knew the author. Never mind the characters. Characters are a separate thing, but I genuinely felt felt like I was in his head. Well, let's go on the ultimate drive. I enable my guests to go on what I call the ultimate drive. So I'm going to park any car in the world in your driveway. You can take it anywhere, any rally you'd like to go on, <laughs> and you can take anybody with you. And this could be somebody from the past to somebody that's no longer with us. So that opens up a broad opportunity. So what does the ultimate drive look like for you? Uh, you know, in thinking about the car, I want I want a convertible. Okay. And it has cool. to have long legs. Okay. Uh, and, and I don't need it to be fast. I don't need it to be anything. You know, it could be an Aston Martin. It could be a Cadillac. It could be, you know, whatever. Right. As long as it's a, it's, it's open top, open air. And, you know, we'll just, we'll just set it on cruise and, and go from there. And I'm thinking, you know, wide open spaces, not a lot of stoplights, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe this is full on Hunter S. Thompson, sort of, you know, we're, we're in the <laughs> desert and, you know, uh, I don't, I don't, whatever. That's, that's the vision I have PCH or through, you know, through Nevada, but I would be driving and I would love to have my son Caleb next to me. Not just because I would love to have my son, you know, back, but I just, I want him, I want him next to me. We don't have to talk necessarily, although I'd have a, a myriad of questions, but just, just, Relax. Everything else, everything else fades away. Everything else melts off. And I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about, you know, the destination. It's just, we're just driving. That's that. Ah, wish I could make that happen for you. That's the great thing about road trips. And the great thing about this country is there are plenty of places to just get out there and go. And to have somebody with you in the car, especially your late son, would be incredibly spectacular, of course. Uh, but maybe there's a way to think that he's always kind of with you anyway do you do you feel that way at all for sure yeah yeah that he's there and you said you I do don't, you he's don't have to right talk here. you know yeah always kind of by your side so and it's nice that you got to it sounds like you got to spend some time with him doing road trips anyway is that true yeah you know even from we we did we got to spend a lot of time around cars and he was it was almost in his blood mm. uh, before he could finish saying you know mom and and dad he was, you know, we were walking through parking lots and he would point to a car and say, what's this? And I'd tell him, and I only ever had to tell him one time. 
and he, you know, that there was Nibishi and Subu and, and <laughs> Bidabu and yeah. And, uh, he, he was, he, he could, uh, he could identify cars, uh, you know, by styling cues, he was barely walking, you know? Fun. And so he was, he was a, a strong enthusiast. Nice. Well, my sincere condolences for that loss. And yeah, I have a feeling he is at your side at all times. So can rest, uh, rest thinking at least about that, but I sure wish, sure wish I could make that happen for you. That would be something else. So you've taken us on a fun ride today. You're having fun with cars. I love the fact you're getting out there uh, with Rally North America and experiencing drives. I mean, this is a great way for if any of your listeners have never done something like this. You can even do your own little personal rally if you want, you know, mm-hmm. take your, your spouse or partner or a friend or whatever, car guy, car buddy, and uh, get out there and drive. Uh, how can people learn more about being a part of Rally North America? Absolutely go to rallynorthamerica.com. Check out the website. There's a lot of media there from past rallies. We've had some really great guests on our rallies, like uh, David Patterson. He's that dude in blue on uh, on YouTube. Matt Farah, the famous Matt Farah from Smoking Tire. Smoking Tire has gone on our on our events. Everybody is welcome. There's no. You don't have to show up with a you know a Ferrari. You don't. You, we've had people fly into the to the area, rent a car, put stickers on it, do the event, and then of course make sure the stickers get taken off. <laughs> Yeah. The car. Yeah. <laughs> Why are there racing stickers on Everybody this car? Everybody is welcome. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like yeah, fun. Exactly. For sure. Check it out. So before I let you go today, could you share maybe some parting words of wisdom or a success quote or a mantra with us? Sure. Uh, you know, I try to live my, my life this way. The one thing that you'll never get back is time. So do the thing, take the chances, take that vacation, start a, start a business, do whatever it is you're going to do. Just try it. It'll work or it won't. Um, those are the, the two possible outcomes. Get out there and have some fun for sure. Now that uh, the terrible lockdowns of the COVID times are gone, even more important to get out there and spend time with family and friends and do some fun things. So get out there. Spring's here. So get out there and have some have some fun. Are there ways that people can follow you? Do you have a website around your business? Or- um, I don't have a, a website specifically, but I, I am on Facebook and I'm always open to interfacing with folks. Uh, I'm also fairly prolific on LinkedIn, you know, the other side of the coin, the professional side of the coin. Uh, I do a lot of uh, talks and presentations around risk management and privacy and, and cybersecurity. Uh, the company that I work for, Newspire, is, is at, that's N-U-S-P-I-R-E. We are, um, are we're predominantly providing security-related services in the automotive uh, and manufacturing space, which is a great place to be aligned with, given my proclivities. Yeah, it should be fairly easy to find in those locations. Very cool. I'll put links to those on Mike's show notes page. Mike, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and sharing your car world with the listeners. And so you and I talk again, hopefully on a rally, I'll see you somewhere down the road. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. TechForce is a charity of choice here at Cars Yeah. Auto techs are in high demand, but the supply, it's critically short. For every one tech who graduates school, there's five jobs waiting for them. Said another way, four technician jobs go unfilled for every technician graduate. Lots of young people love cars, but don't know how to turn that passion into their careers. TechForce Foundation shows them through career exploration technical education, and the workforce development solutions. Join Cars yeah in supporting TechForce Foundation and its mission to solve the technician shortage by donating at techforce.org today. 
Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.